This week's parsha is parsha's Kisava. In the parsha, it says, "V'ro'u chal amei aretz kishem Hashem nikra alacha v'yaro mimekha." That all of the nations of the world will see that the Shem Hashem, the name of Hashem, is upon your head, and they will fear you as a result. So the Gemara and Brachas and Davavim and Aleph, Darshans, what does that mean? What are we talking about in this Pasuk? Elo Tfilin Shebaraish. These are the Tfilin on the head. When the nations of the world see Kishem Hashem, Nikra Alachi, you have the Shem Hashem on your head, then there's going to be a fear of you. The world will fear the Yid if he sees, if the world sees that the Yid is carrying the Shem Hashem on his head. Elot Filin Shabarash. The question is, why does the Gemara say Elot Filin Shabarash? Lachar should be Elot Filin Shalrash. We don't have on our Tfilin box that doesn't say Tfilin Shabarash, it's Tfilin Shalrash. That's what we call Tfilin Shalrash. What does it mean, Elot Filin Shabarash? So the Barditchever of Lady Yitzhami Barditchev said that the site of the Gemara is, and the site of Tfilin are, not so much that you should wear Tfilin Shalrash, but that the Yisaitis that are contained within the Tfilin Shalrash, which is the parish of Kriyashma, the parish of Ahaya, all of the Yisaitis Hadas, all of the Emunah, the Kabbalah from Achashamayim, the Yichar Hashem, the Mesiris Nefesh, the Avas Hashem, all of the messages contained in the Parshias in the Tefillin Shel Reish, the point is that it should be Birash. The Tefillin Shel Birash, the Tefillin have to seep into our brains. It's not that we have boxes on top of our head, but that's completely separate from our heads. The Yisaitah Tefillin are that whatever messages are contained within the, within the Batim, the Batim should form a seamless entity with our heads. There should be a new appendage on top of our heads in our brain called the Tefillin. Elu Tefillin Shebarash. The Tefillin Shebarash. The Tefillin, the Yisaitahs of the Tefillin have to go into the cup. It has to be a part and parcel of the Jewish brain. These tefillin shebarish, and only then is the pasuk's haftacha going to be fulfilled. That v'roch ha'ameares kishem Hashem nikra alecha v'yarami mekad al firu. But first, it has to be tefillin shebarish. In fact, there's a beautiful ma'aser that's told about the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon was he had a little base medrash in his house. Kiyadua, the Vilna Gain, was not a Rav in, in the city of Vilna. He had no official position. He wasn't a Dayan. He wasn't a Rosh Hashiva. He had a little house right next to the big shul in Vilna. You see pictures. There's the big shul in Vilna, beautiful shul, the Besaknes Nagado. And next to it was the Vilna Gain's little house with a little clay, a place that he would sit and learn in his private cheder, his private little room. Outside, there were Talmidim that were learning and waiting for him to give shiurim, but it was a very informal gathering. But the main thing was the Vilna Gain was sitting, primarily by himself sitting and learning, and occasionally the Talmidim would enter and would hear from him the Messiah. And one time, some bandits came into the house of the Gain, and they started attacking, they started pillaging, they were taking whatever money was, was by the Talmidim, uh, a leichter here and an esrig box there, and they would put it into their bag. And then they weren't happy with just taking the money from the Talmidim, but they saw another room. So they decided to enter that room, and they barge in, and they see the Gra Kaddish, the Halo of Gra sitting and learning, and they were about to take whatever they could from that room as well, all of a sudden they see the face of the Vilna Gain, and these Gayim drop the bag, and they run out for their life. And then the Vilna Gain goes back to learning. 
And after he came out of the room, so the Talmudim asked, what went on? Why did they get so nervous? Why did they get so scared of the guy? So the guy says, what, what's, what's, what's your question? And so the Ferish of Gemara, the Gemara Bracha says, the Yaro Mecca, they will fear you if you're wearing your tefillin. And I'm always wearing my tefillin. Kiyadua, the girl wore his tefillin the whole day. So they saw me with my tefillin on. They were afraid. They dropped the bag. What's the big question? They said, yeah, yeah, we get that part of the equation. But we don't understand that we were also wearing tefillin. We were wearing tefillin also. We followed the Minigagra. Minigagra, we also wear tefillin. Why weren't they afraid of us? And the guy said, Mamish, the same bard as the Bardichever. He says, it doesn't mean that just because a person puts these boxes on his arm and on his head that suddenly, magically, everybody's going to have reverence and awe for them. It's tefillin sheberosh. The message of the tefillin have to, Mamish, become a part of your brain. It has to be your head. And if it's not, then the apostolic doesn't apply. Only if it's tefillin sheberosh, if the Yisaitis of tefillin become part of you, then is the avtocha that the Gaim will fear you. Only then is it true. And so apparently for me, the Yisaitis of the tefillin went in. Maybe for you it didn't yet. But hopefully it will someday. It's a very important Yisaitis. What tefillin are? Today I want to discuss a little bit about what tefillin are. Tefillin is a mitzvah that's, I think it's a little bit of a cryptical mitzvah. It's something that we do every single day of the year, except for Shabbos and Yantif. But it's something that we do, and I don't know if, you know, any of us really think about what we're doing when we put on tefillin. We don't understand maybe even what we're doing. What is tefillin? What does it represent? Why are we doing it? What is the hashkafa behind tefillin? It's funny looking. I mean, if we're used to it and we are excited about it. It's a mitzvah. But from a, a very objective perspective, I think it's a little bit of a... It looks funny. You have some, some, some straps and some boxes on your arm and on your head. I mean, it doesn't... It's, it's something that, that's really... It needs a little bit of an explanation of what we're doing. And that's what I want to do today with you. First of all, you should just know that this is site of the Vaidikshiva and this is site of the Gra, that Elot Tfilin Shabrash, you need Kavana. It's not just putting on these boxes that do the trick. You have to mamish understand what you're doing. The Yisaitis of the Tfilin, the Achtas Hashem, the Avas Hashem, all of the Yisaitis of Shema, Vahaya, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, all of that has to be inside of us. It's mamish, besides for being a beautiful Vart, it's also Halacha. The Bach says a very fundamental halachic yisait that in general it's a big machlekes whether mitzvah striches kavana or mitzvah ain't striches kavana. Do you need kavana when you do a mitzvah? If I happen to hear a shayfer on Rosh Hashanah, but I had no kavana to do a ma'isa mitzvah, am I yaitz or not? If I eat matzah on Seder night, but I don't, I'm really unaffiliated. I don't even do, I have no kavana. I just happen to have done the Maisa Mitzvah. My yates there or not? Big machlekes. Rishaynen, it's machlekes. Earlier, it's a very major machlekes. There's sugyas and shas about Mitzvah Sukhas Kavana. How do we paskin? But everyone can agree, says the Bach, that if it's a mitzvah which the Torah tells you a reason for. Black and white. Most mitzvahs, the Torah doesn't tell us any reason. You have to go to the chinuch to find out the reason. But sometimes the Torah actually tells us the reason for doing the mitzvah. And if the Torah tells us a reason, then you have to have that kavana. There you need the kavana, because there the Torah is saying, this is what the mitzvah is, you got to do it, not just stam, but you have to do it with the kavana that I'm telling you. That's what the Bach says. The Mishnah says, by the way, that that's not Lee Kuva. You shouldn't get nervous if you haven't had the right Kavana because, you know, it's not Ma'akid. But L'Chathchila says the Ba'ak, a person needs to have Kavana when the Torah says, and in one of these few select mitzvahs that the Torah says you need Kavana for, that the Torah tells us the reason is for Tzvillin. So a few, a few, a few mitzvahs like the Sitzes is one of them, and, um, other mitzvahs, Sukkah, but Tzvillin are one of these few very 
esteemed mitzvahs that the Torah says why it says you're supposed to put on stones that the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth it should be a part of us and so when it comes to tefillin it's not just enough to put on the boxes it has to be tefillin shabarash the estrellas of tefillin have to go into our, into our minds and into our hearts and into our souls that's the estrellas of tefillin tefillin is inculcating within ourselves all of the the truths and all of the beliefs that our religion has, and all of them are contained in the parish of Krishna. It's all there. And Bahaya, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, all of the all of the critical Yisaitis, the fundamental basis for why we are practicing Yidin, all are in the Tzvon Shabarash. And it has to go into the head. We need Kavana when we do it, or else it might be not the mitzvah that the Rabbi Shalom wants us to be doing. I want to share with you a Meir Chinuch. The Chinuch goes at length to describe what exactly is the Shayrish HaMitzvah. If you ever want to know what's this mitzvah all about, the Chinuch always go to the Sefer HaChinuch. That's the first address I recommend you to go to. Because he always gives Mamash a beautiful daher in what the mitzvah is all about. And of course, he himself points out that this is not the only reason to do the mitzvah it's just one of the many, many millions of reasons for every mitzvah. But he always gives mamasha a yisai that's able to shape our, our, our fulfillment of the mitzvah in a much more enhanced way. The chinuch writes like this. The shayrish of the mitzvah of chinuch of tefillin is, adam A man is a, a flesh and blood being. We are very, very magushimdik. We're humans. We're mortals. Because of that, it's inevitable that we will be drawn to Elam Hazah. Because we were created, the fabric of our very essence, of our being, of our bodies, is the earth. So the earth is a gashmiyastika, chumriyastika type of matter which we are inevitably drawn to. And so everything in this world, everything in Eilam Hazah, which is a world of Gashmias, it is a world of Chamrias, don't be stunned if we are always nimshach after it. It's not a pella that we're always, you know, thinking about our Tivus and all of the things that our body desires. Because how can we not? Our body is very physical. And if our body is physical, it's nimshach. It is drawn naturally after the physical. We always want things that are good for us. We want to enjoy life. We want to enjoy our eating and our sleeping and our clothing and our and our lifestyle. Everything should be geschmack because we are human beings. So that's why we're drawn to this life. Like an animal. We have animalistic nature. So what are we going to do? How are we going to get beyond that? That's not what we're here for. We're not here in order just to serve our bodies. We're here to serve the Rabbanu Shalom through our souls. The only way that we could stop ourselves is hopefully our nefesh will be strong enough. Our nefesh, our conscience, will stop us every time we're about to do an Avera. You can't do an Avera. That's against the Rabbanu Shalom. But who has the home court advantage if the teams are the Guf versus Neshama, versus the Neshama? In color war, they always have these types of teams, right? They have the Ani, in one of my kids' camps, they have the Aniim versus the Ashirim. Or they have, you know, R versus Chayshech. They have, that's how they make it in these from camps, they, they have color war. So if I would ask you, which team would naturally win? Would it be the Guf or the Neshama? Which would win? The Chinuch says, hands down, that the Guf would win. You know why? Because the Guf has the home court advantage. This is its terrain. The Guf thrives in this world because it's its world. Where is the Neshama? The Neshama never has to come you know, from, from, from millions of miles away. It's very hard. It's weary from its trip. It's not in its home territory. So it's very hard to win a game 
if you're not, if you don't have a home court advantage. So the nefesh is struggling with the guf. The guf should generally win. The odds are that the guf will win. So yigbar So what do you do? How do you give a little bit of a push in order to help the neshama so that it's it should win? What we need to do is, what happens when you have a team, which is a shvacha team? What happens if I know that my team is up against a team which is more better than I? So you hire some ringers. You know, you get some, you get all of a sudden, like you get a tall, seven-foot guy that like no one ever saw before. He's on our team. And that way, hopefully, you'll have a fighting chance of winning. So who are these ringers? Who are the shimerim that the nefesh employs in order to hopefully be able to make it a little bit of an even playing field? Zaktachinach, Achar Yesubik Vula, Veratza Makmuz Chayseno, Anachno Amakadesh, Vitzivano Lahamit Shimerim Kivulim Kivayim Savavla. Who are these ringers? These ringers that we get that the Neshama is allowed to have on its team, Tfilin. The Tfilin Shal Yad and the Tfilin Shal Reish are reminders for the Neshama where you are, who you are, we're going to win this thing. That's what the Tfilin are, says the Chinuch. Because we're up against, it's an uphill battle against the guf. The guf has so much going for it. It's in this world. It's nimshuk after this world. We know that it's difficult to exist in such an island hazardic environment with all the taibas, with all the things that are constantly tempting us and luring us in this world. How is the shayach nebuch for the neshama, the little puny neshama that's so far away from home, that's homesick itself? How is it shayach for the neshama to win? It needs assistance. And the assistance, says the Chinuch, is the Tzvil, and the Tzvil in our, our assistance for the Neshama to help remind the Neshama that you're great, you could win this thing, and we're going to help you. Very big insight in Tzvilin. That Tzvilin are the Rabbi way of sending help to us to remind our neshama who we are, where we come from, and what our countless in life is. That's what we do when we're putting on tefillin shayad, tefillin shayraj, with all of the excitements inside of them that are seeping into our body. Remember that there's a Rabbi Nishraelim. Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleken Hashem Echa. That's Yisrael number one. Love the Rabbi Nishraelim. Remember that the Rabbi Nishraelim took you out of Mitzrayim. There's Hashkacha Pratiyas. All of the many, many excitements Ayn Bramban Bai that speak about why we need all these mitzvahs. It's mamish this reason. The Ramban says that these mitzvahs will remind us that there is a Rabbi Nishlam in the world. Without this, we're lost. We're not going to be able to make it through the journey with a proper semblance of understanding that we are Abde Hashem. And that's why Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. We need these boxes on our head and on our arm in order to guide us. They are our GPS system. They guide us back home. They remind us that we come from Shemayim and that's our main tachlis. And that we have to always remember where we came from and where we're going. And that is the Yisayid, says the Chinuch, in the Mitzvah of Tzilin. I want to share with you a beautiful chat that I once thought of Years ago, I had a, I was learning with the Talmud, and we were learning Mesech Shabbos, and on Daf Samach Vav, there's a Meridika Gemara in Shabbos. And I think I have a beautiful chat in it, I think it's Pasha, according to what we're saying. The Gemara says in Shabbos as follows. It's in the parak that discusses what you're allowed to go out with, what constitutes Haitzah on Shabbos, what you're not allowed to go out with. So there's a Mishnah there, that says, Habonim Yaitzim Biksharim. The sons are allowed to go out on Shabbos with certain knots. Not clear what the knots are. So the Gemara asks, what are these Ksharims? Curious, what, 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 what kind of knots are we talking about here that a son is allowed to go out with? So the Gemara says, 
Ben al-Aviv. If a son has a certain longing for a father, a father is going away on a trip, and every time my father goes away on a trip, I desperately long for him. I miss him like crazy. I can't live. The son is going nuts. The son is not able to exist because the father is going to be gone. I don't want him to be gone. I need him to stay home. Where are you going? I have to go away. It's a business trip. Please, Tati, stay home. No, I can't. I have to make some money for the mishpacha. But I can't live without you. I have gagulim for you. I have longing for you. I yearn for you. I miss you every second. What should I do? So, the Gemara gives an Eitzah. The father takes the shoe strap. Like, you know, the sandalim, you take a, a, a leather strap from the right shoe of the father. The kaisher light the smile, and he goes, the father takes this right shoe strap and ties it onto the left arm of the son. And that is a school law that the son should no longer have these terrible, sickening longings for his father. That's what the Gemara says. But then the Gemara says, and that's what the Ksharam, that the son is allowed to go out with on child, he needs it. It's not much like Lurafua, he needs it. It's like his, it's his patch. You know, there's like a nicotine patch that you need in order to, because you have a, you have a temptation for, for, for cigarettes. So you put a patch on you. This is what this does for you. It's a constant patch that, <laughs> my father's strap on my arm, so now I don't miss him so much. I could live, I remember him, whatever the sight is. And that's what a son is allowed to go out. Even on Shabbos, it's so important to have this, that even on Shabbos, it would not constitute like saw for the son to take this strap, this sharim, out with him into the street. And then the Gemara says, Amr of Nachman by Yitzchak, the simon for how to remember this Yisai is tefillin. What's the chat? It's tefillin. So Rashi says that just like tefillin, you tie on your tefillin. You use your right hand to tie it onto your left hand. That's how you take the right shoe strap and you tie the right shoe strap onto the left arm of the boy and that will make his gaguim al-aviv go away. So when I thought of this, I said, it's a little strange. Like, you need a simon for this. Simon tefillin... So basically what I was thinking is that it's more than just a simanech tefillin to remember which side goes on which arm. This is what tefillin are. Tefillin is mamish this side. We're a ben sheyesh le'gadu and alaviv. The Rebbeinu Shalom made us. The, our father, Avinu Shabbat made us and he sent us down very far away with our neshama. And we miss our tattoo. We miss the Rebbeinu We're so far away. We want to go back. It's not for us, this world. It's, we're homesick. The guf is constantly making us interested in other things, but our neshama knows that that's not good for it. And a ben sheyesh legadu and alaviv, you know what the Rebbeinu did for us? The Rebbeinu the father, the Rebbeinu was mitzavah us. You put on tefillin. If you put on tefillin, if you tie this strap of mine, on your arm, then you'll be able to live. You'll be able to exist even on this world. That's the guarantee of tefillin. A ben we miss the Rabbanishlam, like the Chinuch says. We're so far away, we're so lost. I don't know what to do, I don't know how to exist down here. I need my, my father. So the Rabbanishlam gave us tefillin that it should remind us who we are. It should remind us that you have a tati who cares about you, loves you. And through those mitzvahs, through the mitzvah, that should alleviate a lot of the problems. That should be our patch to guide us always back towards our Father to always understand what our mission in life is and how we're going to get there exactly. This is our GPS. These are the ability that always drives us home. We're never going to be lost if we have our tefillin on us. This is the Gemara in Brachas that says that the Rabbi is Menich tefillin just like we are. The Rabbi Yishlam and us both put on tefillin. 
in our tefillin it says Shem Hayisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Echad. We make the Rebbeinu Shalom into a Chativ Achas Ba'elam, and the Rebbeinu Shalom makes us into a Chativ Achas Ba'elam. The Gemara says that in the Rebbeinu Shalom's tefillin, you know what it says: Ato Echad, the Shimcha Echad, Umi Kamcha Yisrael Da'echad Baretz. The Rebbeinu Shalom proclaims us to be one, and so this is the attachment that we have. Us and the Rabbi Yishlam have this connection. He takes off a little bit of his tefillin, of his, of his leather straps. He gives it to us as a mitzvah, and that makes the connection be able to be there at all times. Every morning when we put on tefillin, these are the Asaidas. It's a tefillin Shebarash. It allows us to remain intact. Our neshama remembers a little bit more when we put on the tefillin. If we're thinking about what we're doing, what our mission is in life, there's a Rabbi Yishlam that loves us, and that somehow, someway, we're going to be able to make it through the Salem Haza successfully. That's the aside of Tzvillin. The Tzvillin themselves bring us back. The Tzvillin themselves, they speak to us. A few weeks ago, a Talmud called me up from Eretz Yisrael. And he had to tell me a very strange incident that happened to him. He said that there was one week that he put on his tefillin shalyad and then, you know, you put your shirt over the tefillin shalyad. And this never happened to him before, but on a Monday, he did this, and as he was putting his shirt over it, the shirt ripped. And I hope he's not watching this until any time. But he's not exactly like buff. He's not exactly like a guy that's like working out every night in the gym. He's like a pretty skinny guy. He doesn't have too many muscles that I ever noticed. And, you know, he's sort of, you know, so it's strange. Like, why would he, why would the, the, the shirt rip? Like, there's nothing there. But the shirt ripped on a Monday. Okay. Threw the shirt out. Tuesday. Puts on Phil and Shelly out again. Again, a brand new shirt rips. Strange. It doesn't make sense. Then again, Wednesday or Thursday, again, Brand new shirt rips. So something's going on here. He took the tefillin to the cipher, and the cipher opens up the parashas, puzzle. Shalyad, shalraish, all puzzle. He actually, his brother got, got tefillin from the same cipher, so he called his brother. He had his tefillin to also puzzle. And there was a big deal on whether or not he should go back to the person who sold it to him and that that person should make a big hachraza wherever he came from that, you know, all these tefillin you have to check. I don't know what he did in the end. But anyway, sometimes the tefillin themselves speak to us. Not the tefillin, but the Rebbeinu Shalom sends us messages through the tefillin. And the Rebbeinu Shalom somehow is always able to make sure that the tefillin are kosher, and that the tefillin always return. When I was a bacha, I was a little into collecting uh, manuscripts. So there's, you could do it one of two different ways. In the old days, you have to go to a, a seicher. You know, there are certain um, people that deal, wheel and deal in Jewish manuscripts and kisveyad. And you go to them and you buy it. Now with the advent of the internet, which, you know, has a lot of bad, but it also has some usable sides to it. So, they have something called eBay, and you can go and see mamish people all over the world put on all types of stuff, and included in those types of stuff are a lot of Judaica and something, sometimes very interesting things you could find there. So, when I was a bacher, sometimes I would go on eBay, and, uh, and I found a lot of things, I found a lot of things, I bought a very beautiful manuscript from Rav Shach, the Aviezri, like a few pages of Aviezri I bought from somebody on eBay. I bought a lot of very interesting things. Anyway, one time as I was scrolling down all of the things that are that were for sale in, in the Judaica category that I that I entered, I saw something odd. I saw a brand new pair of tefillin, which is not normal. You don't normally see a brand new pen with a tefillin bag, like a tefillin zekel with a with a person's name on it. Looked like a brand new bag and a nice art scroll sitter to boot. And I was like, this is very strange. Normally people, you know, if, they, if there's fill and sold on eBay, it's normally like, you know, 150 years old, like the totally puzzle ones that some, somebody's grandfather used to wear and they're putting it up on eBay to sell. 
You don't normally find like a brand new, like a, you know, brand new pair of in with a, it looked like something was out of it. And I, I, it had the picture of the, the name, the picture of the bag. And I saw the name and I wrote it down. And I said, this must have been stolen. Some, there's some story here. It's, that's not just some guy selling his, his film. You don't find that. So it was a very, it wasn't a common name. And I happened to have known that there was a person that lived around the corner from me whose brother-in-law had such a name. So I called up this person and they said, yes, that is my brother-in-law's brother and he lives in Baltimore and he gave me the number. And I called this person. He happens to be a Talmud Chacham. He wrote Svarim that are well, pretty well known. And I said to him, did you by any chance lose a pair of film? He says, yes, I did. He says, I was parked in a very dangerous part of Baltimore. I had my attache case in the car. And somebody broke in. They took my attache case. And my attache case was my tillin. And I haven't seen it since. So I said, well, it's on eBay. If you want to find it, it's on eBay. You could either buy it, you could do whatever you want to do. But I'm just telling you, I'm giving you a marimakim that it's, it's, it's there. And so what he did was he contacted the police the police did like a whole sting operation. They pretended that they that they, they put in a bid for this film. They told the woman who was selling it in Baltimore that they want to come to the house and pick it up. They want to do it themselves. They don't, don't send it by email. We're, we're, don't send it by mail. We're going to come to you and get it. She's okay. So they came and they arrested her. Turns out that she... Um, that she she didn't really steal it herself, but she bought it at like a flea market or something. And I get the whole story. This this was my 15 minutes of fame because a lot of newspapers picked up on this. I don't know why it's such a great story, but every every newspaper in the world suddenly was on this. I mean, if it would have been today, like I'd be mamashev as the yeshiva world and buses nayas, you know, I'd, I'd be big, big. But then it was like before we had all these these blogs. So then it was, but it was in Newsweek.com, and it was in the Jewish press, it was in the Atet, it was in the Amodi, it was in a lot of papers, like all over Jerusalem Post, and people were like constantly, wherever I went, oh, I saw your name in the in Jerusalem Post, oh, you have a copy? One you say that I took out of this, by the way, besides for what we're going to get to, how, how it ties in with this, is that don't ever believe anything that you read in a newspaper. I'll show you, you want to come to my house, I'll show you. I have all the clippings of all these articles. Not one of them is Emmis. Not one. And some of them actually called me and asked me about this whole story. I was the cyber sleuth, they called me. I was like, you know, I got, I got, I got a shame. Some of the information was accurate, but so much sheker was woven. It's not, it wasn't an international incident. It wasn't something a major, it was just like a little simple story to get. It wasn't such a, you know, you didn't have to have a, a you know, a kaya to get the story straight. And yet they had mamish a hundred mistakes. You know, this wasn't true, that wasn't true. What you say is, don't believe what you say. It's not terrorist by shem. It's what you read in the papers. Like, Ooh, you know, the New York Times, it's, it's, it, don't believe it. Unless you hear it mamish from the, from the horse's mouth, it's a checker. It has a chazak of being a checker. Don't assume, it's a paper, it's an established paper, it's all, no, it's checker. That's your site number one. You say number two is that you see that the Rabbi Shalom always gets the tefillin back to you. Just like you're in a Shama, he always wants to bring back, he always wants to make sure that you're magnetically attracted back to Elam Haba to Kazachin. That's how the tefillin also, they manage to communicate with us. They manage to somehow, some way, come back home and come back to us one way or another. It might take a short amount of time, it might take a long amount of time, but the aside of tefillin is when you have gargoyim for your father, you will be able to once again be reunited with your father. That's what tefillin are. Tefillin are the magnet between the Rabbanit Shalom's tefillin and our tefillin, and we're nimshach acharov. That's what the tefillin shavarash represents. If we're able to inculcate the values of the tefillin, then we'll find ourselves being drawn Heavenward. There's a a beautiful story that I read <coughs> recently. There was a, a bacher, a bar mitzvah bacher. His name was Meir Simcha Broyer. His father was a chashuva rav in Flatbush. 
believe now he's no longer, he's, he's in Eretz Yisrael today. Reb Breuer, Pinchas Breuer was a very big time Chacham and, uh, you know, he was a <coughs> wonderful speaker and a very big, uh, Kayach in, in the Rabbanus. Anyway, he had a bar mitzvah boy for a son. His name was Meir Simcha. And this Meir Simcha Breuer was riding his bike to Yeshiva. He had a basket on the back of his bike. And he came to Yeshiva one morning for davening. And he was about to unload from the basket on the back of his bike his tefillin. He just got a brand new fresh pair of tefillin for his bar mitzvah. And lo and behold, they were not in the basket. They must have jumped out of the basket. He must have hit a curb or, you know, done some shtick and it fell out and it went flying and it wasn't there anymore. And he went nuts, as you can imagine. You know, it's one thing if you lose your film when you're 80 years old, still not kishmak. But when you lose it like a couple of months after your bar mitzvah, then it's mamish, mamish, you know, so precious to a, to a young boy and you lose it. And what are my parents going to say? He was so scared and so upset with himself. And he went and he tried to retrace his bicycle route. And he went all over and he asked his friends to help him look. And he hit into stores he went, trying desperately to find the tefillin and he couldn't find them. And finally, you know, he had to face the music. He goes home, tells his parents, you know, that beautiful pair of tefillin that you just bought for me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, it's lost. And, uh, you know, can't find it, so... They weren't pleased. They went and they tried to again, you know, find any way that they could. Call lost and founds. Call gemas. Call the police. Call go to, from store to store, door to door. They were not able to find. They looked for a long time. They were not able to find it, and they were very upset. The father went to a a cipher macher to a tefillin macher and got a one of the loaner pairs of tefillin for his son. In the meantime, but they were very hopeful that someday soon they would be able to find the tefillin again. What happened was, where did those tefillin go? The tefillin were on a curb, and a Russian lady, a, a Jewish lady that she wasn't from, she was a Russian immigrant, an older woman, she had her little shopping cart in, in Brooklyn, and she was walking down the street, she sees a nice velvet bag, she didn't really know what it was, and she put it in her shopping cart, and then later as she went home, she uh, takes it out, and she looks that there were tefillin. She vaguely understood this, this is a Jewish item. It's a religious item. She, she mamish knew from nothing. But she had a 10-year-old grandson and who, go, who went to a yeshiva, a Russian boy who went to a Russian yeshiva in Brooklyn. And she said, maybe he'll be able to help me get this back to the right owner. So it didn't say Meir Simcha Breuer on the tefillin. It just said Meir Simcha. So that made it all the more difficult to track down who it was. But the son brought this pair of tefillin, the grandson brought the pair of tefillin to his rebbe in this yeshiva that he went to. And he gave it to his rebbe, told the rebbe, my grandmother found this pair of tefillin, maybe you could find the proper owner. And the rebbe says, yes, I'm going to try to do whatever I can. Somebody's probably desperately looking for it. And the rebbe put it in one of, in one of the drawers of his desk and... As could be expected sometimes, you know, even Rabbeim could sometimes be absent-minded, and he forgot about it. Forgot all about the tefillin one week. Two weeks goes by, nothing's happening. The are just sitting there collecting dust in the drawer. A few weeks later, this Rebbe is giving a shear to his Russian Talmidim about tefillin, and he's describing what they are, and the sight of tefillin, and what they look like. And these boys, remember, they came from... You know, non-religious homes, their parents, grandparents haven't seen Phil for 70 years. So they were intrigued. They wanted to see, and he's like kicking himself, why didn't I bring my own pair from home? It would have made the lesson so much clearer for these boys. And all of a sudden it triggered in his mind that, wait a minute, I have a pair of Phil in my drawer. And he opens up the drawer. Sure enough, the mayor simplest Phil are there. And he carefully takes them out, and he shows the boys what it's Phil and Shalyav looks like, what it's Phil and Shalrush looks like. And the boys were mesmerized. They were so enthralled. Wow, the shiny ritsuis and the beautiful tefillin and the, the batim and the, and they wanted to touch it themselves. He says, no, you can't really touch it because it's not ours and we have to be very careful with it. But then he remembered, you know, I have to get these tefillin back to somebody. So as he was looking through the tefillin, he saw that the cipher who checked the tefillin lived in Brooklyn. He says, his number was there. 
So he calls up the Sefer, he has a weed now, calls up the Sefer, and he says to the Sefer, I have a tefillin, pair of tefillin that I found by, the old says in the bag is Mayor Simcha, maybe you know who this is. So I said, of course I know who it is, because Rabbi Breuer himself came into my store to find out if he could borrow a pair of loaner tefillin, he was so upset, his son lost the tefillin. You don't know how happy Rabbi Breuer is going to be, and his wife and his son, it's going to be a tremendous Simcha, you did a big mitzvah, by returning this lost pair of tefillin. So, Rabbi Geller, the name of the Rebbe, calls Rabbi Breuer, the cipher gave him Rabbi Breuer's number, and he says, my name is Rabbi Geller, and I have the pair of your son's tefillin that he lost. He says, wow, I can't believe it, he was so excited, Rabbi Breuer. He says, don't go anywhere, I'm going to come to your house right now and pick it up. He says, no, 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 I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming on the way anyway, I'm going to pass by the Rav's house, I'll be there in a few minutes. So he comes in, and they couldn't thank him enough. They didn't believe that they'd ever see this pair of tefillin again. And the husband and the wife, and they wanted to give him money as a reward. He says, no, 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 it's the mitzvah of Sadeja, and it's, I'm happy to be able to do it. I'm sorry it took this long. So the mother says, I want to do something nice for you. I mean, you're not going to take money, but you did such a favor for us. Let us do something nice for you. She said, I have a great idea. My husband is a very big rob. And he's a great speaker. Everybody is asking him to speak all over the country, all over the world. He says, how about if my husband comes into your class, into your classroom, and he'll give a little talk to your Talmudim about filling. So the Rabbi says, that's a fantastic idea. I love that. And so they made a, a date that Rabbi Breuer would come to the class and teach these Russian boys a thing or two about filling. So Rabbi Breuer comes to the class, and you know, he looks very aristocratic, he has a very, he looks just, he looks very, very chashev. He has a, just his whole levush, his whole demeanor is very, very chashev, and the boys are very impressed. And he has an accent to boot, which always, uh, never hurts. And he, um, he says that, you know, about Tillin and the sight of Tillin, he says that you see from this story, you know, that you boys helped me out finding this pair of Tillin and my son, you see that the Rabbinic Shalom always make sure to return things that are lost to the right owner. Whatever is lost, the Rabbi Shalom somehow, some way, finds a, finds a way to get it back to you. And when he said that, one boy in the back of the hand, in the back of the school, raised, in the back of the class, raises his hand and says, can I ask the Rav a question? He says, yes. He says, what about if a person loses his neshama? If a person loses his neshama, Will the Rabbinic Shalom make sure to return that as well to you? And of course, what the boy meant is that he had so many friends and relatives whose neshamas were no longer there. They're completely, completely unaffiliated with, with Yiddishkeit, with the Rabbinic Shalom. Will the Rabbinic Shalom return their neshamas as well? And Rabbi Broye was very, very moved by this question. And he says, of course, the Rabbinic Shalom will even return a person's neshama. Everything. The Rabbi Shalom returns filling. The Rabbi Shalom returns in a sham. Whatever is lost, the Rabbi Shalom somehow, someway makes sure that it gets back to the Palabas. The Rabbi Breuer, later that day, got a lift with another Rav and Flatbush, and they were, he was telling over this amazing story from beginning to end, and he included this question that this Russian boy had asked him that touched him so. And... This, this other Rav says, you know, it's a beautiful story. I'd like to say it over tonight. There's a vart of a chassan, and the chassan was a boy that went off the derech, and he's come back to the derech, and he's getting married soon. His vart is tonight, and I'd like to say over this beautiful story, because it so illustrates what, what this boy went through. He had a neshama, his neshama got lost, the rabbi neshama somehow was able to allow him to find his neshama again, and now he has a simcha. So, he said it over this night with the Rishus of the Chassan. He told the Chassan beforehand, of course, that he was going to say such a thing. And he said, and everybody in the room was crying. Because this is Mamash, the story of this Chassan's life. And then after that, the Chassan got up and said a story of his own. He said, I want you to, t- I want you to know how amazing the Mashal is to the Nimshal. Because what happened was that I went off the derech, as everybody here knows. 
And you know how I got back on the derech? He says, what happened was, I was a 15-year-old boy. I had no interest in Yiddishkeit. I had no interest in the Rabbi Yishon. I wanted to find my own way. I went completely off the derech. I went to Eretz Yisrael, and I completely lost shaykhs to anything in terms of Torah and Yiddishkeit. But one thing I had, I always held on to my tefillin. My tefillin was something that I always took with me wherever I traveled with them. If wherever I would go, I would take my tefillin with me. That, for whatever reason, that was something that I that I had with me, and I always held on to. I didn't put them on necessarily every day, but I always made sure to have them with me. And one day, I went to a beach with my friends in Tel Aviv, and I brought my tefillin with me. And we were in a rush. We had to catch the bus. And on the bus, all of a sudden, I hopped. Oive, I forgot my tefillin on the beach. And it was too late to go back. The bus was already on its way to Yerushalayim. And I was very, very upset with myself. How could I forget it? But then I forgot about them and life went on. I was able to continue my life as a bachar without my tefillin. And I, was, I went on my own free way and I didn't have my tefillin. And a year or two later, I went into a Sfarim store with a friend of mine who wanted to buy you know, some present to bring back home. And I took him to Meisharim. And we walked into the Sfarim store, and I was looking around on the shelves at all the tchotchkes, the souvenirs, the Sfarim, and all of a sudden something popped out at me, and it was my tefillin. The tefillin that I had lost two years ago on the beach in Tel Aviv, somehow, someway, made it back to a store shelf in Meisharim in Yerushalayim. And I couldn't believe it. I saw her crying. I told the store owner, these are my tefillin. And I gave a simon for it, and he gave it back to me. And because of that, I completely turned my life around, and I became from again. If the Rabbi Shalom is able to allow me to rediscover my tefillin, then HaKadosh Baruch is also telling me that I could rediscover my neshama. And so I changed my whole life, and I went and I became from again and I found a, an amazing base Yaakov girl I'm getting mad, I'm getting, I just got engaged to and everyone's here at the Vart and Baruch Hashem this is my story, it's Mamish Adla Hafli what the Rav just said the story about the Russian boy who was saying that the Tzvillin are like his Neshama that he wants to also know that the Rav Hashem will return the Neshama just like the Tzvillin that's Mamish what happened to me I lost my tefillin. The Rebbeinu allowed me to find my tefillin. And that showed me that if I could find my tefillin, I could find my neshama as well. And there's one extra connection to the story that on the morning of his chasna, this was by the Vart, on the morning of his chasna, he went with his father to a shtibel in Flatbush. And there was an old blind man that was collecting money inside the shtibel. And the boy said to his father, you know, that man looks a little familiar. And the father looks carefully and says, yeah, you know who that was? That was the cipher. That's the cipher who wrote your tefillin. And they went over to the cipher who wrote the tefillin. And they gave him a very big check. And they told him the whole story. And how his tefillin were the GPS system that enabled his son to come back to the derech. And that his son is getting married tonight. Kedas Meshav Yisrael, to Abbas Yisrael, and he'd very much like if the Seifer himself would come and dance at the Chasna with them, the Kachav. This is what Tfilin are. Tfilin are our guide in life. We are lost. We are Mamish lost. We are driving in the dark throughout life. We have no way of knowing whether we're going in the right direction or the wrong direction because we are so inundated by Elam Hazah and we are Chamehs ourselves. So the Rabbi Yishayim put a Neshama in us. But the Neshama is also, it lacks the guidance. It can't, it's just so, it's so bombarded by Elam Hazah that even it finds itself lost. So the Rabbi Yishayim gave us Tefillin. And the Tefillin give us the Yisaitis in life. They are giving us instruction, daily instructions. As the GPS tells us which way to go, make a right, make a left, a left, or by me, redirecting, constantly, I always mess up. I'm horrible with the GPS. It's easier for me not to have a GPS. It just takes so much quicker to get there. Um, but 
That's what they're, that's what the tefillin are. The tefillin are the Isaidas. The tefillin are giving us the directional tracking system that we need to make it back home to the fat, to the Rabbanishlaim. When we have Gaguim, the Neshama is telling us, I want to go home. I don't like it here anymore. I'm lost. The tefillin are there. The Rabbanishlaim gives us our tefillin. The Rabbanishlaim says, put on your tefillin. That should help a little bit. That should make sure to guide you. And if you even get lost, don't worry about it. Because I'll find you. I'll make sure that the rabbinic, that the tefillin come back to you. And I'll make sure that your neshama comes back to you. With the ascites of the tefillin. The tefillin shabarash. All of the ascites must lift arayin in the tefillin, must lift arayin in the cup. Whatever is in the tefillin has to go into the head. Just putting on the tefillin alone without any kavana, it's not going to do anything. In order to really use tefillin effectively, we have to understand what it says in the tefillin. What are the ascites that the Rabbanu Shalom is giving us? What are the instructions? The minute-by-minute instructions. Avas Hashem. Zeichelitz Yashem Yiras Hashem. Achtus Hashem. Emunas Hashem. All of these things are yisaitis that we have to keep, keep throughout our life. And if we think about these things on a daily basis, we put on tefillin, then our neshama will be able to hopefully be able to navigate the choppy seas of Golos, the choppy seas of Ayam Hazar, and be able to once again return. This is the yisait of El, the yisait of Asaras Meitshuva to come back to the Rabbi Nishan. We only can come back through these types of mitzvahs, like the tefillin, if the tefillin shabarayish go into our heads, if they become part of our personalities, then the people of the world will recognize that we're a special people. We're an amanivchar, and more importantly, we will recognize that we are an amanivchar, and we will have meira shamayim, just as the nations will have meira of us. And the Mitzvah Hashem will be Zaycha then to the Gula, which should be the Mayor of the